It's time for JT the Brick. JT, the man to miss the legend. It's amazing some of the dummies that follow me. I don't know. No one knows. Whenever we crack a microphone, we're one of 32 NFL teams with the flagship station. I expect everyone to talk about the Raiders every day when I have a Raiders topic. There's not a game on this schedule against anybody. If Jimmy G's ready to go with this offense, where you can't say to yourself, you know something? We can win this game. We can win this game. People are going to go and buy tickets to come into our building because it's the best time in all of football. Now I got your attention. JT the Brick. 13, 13 is the bye week. That is bleeping real right now. Everybody gets the full playbook. You run the playbook faster. The plays get in and out of the huddle quicker. And you run the plays like you ran in Henderson. And you run them to perfection in the game. Do we all agree? Fair enough? Woo! And now. Because you're a pain in the ass. Here's JT the Brick. All right, we're back. Hour number two of the show. Victory Monday. Vegas beats Denver 17-16. Raiders are 1-0. And in first place... In the AFC West. How is that possible? Well, Kansas City lost. Uh, they lost to Detroit on Thursday night football. Chargers going to charge her as they lost to the Cheetah and Miami at home. And then we see the Raiders beating a division rival. Sam Munson will join us in a few minutes from Pro Football Focus momentarily. we got a lot of calls i got to get to today. Mikey and Staten Italy start us off this hour. You had the Raiders. You had them on the money line. You told us all off season. You had a big ticket on the Raiders winning in Denver. Congratulations. Yeah, JT was a lot closer and a lot of hard fought than I thought it would be. But I don't know. I didn't get it because in New York, I didn't get the post game. Did they, who'd they give the game ball to? Was it Nate Hobbs? He was flying. And I haven't heard you talk about it. That guy was all over the field. I think he made 12 tackles, two full losses. He, to me, he was the MVP. Obviously, Meyer's on offense, but uh, I'm telling you, what we needed was I saw some team speed, but a veteran quarterback finds that rookie defensive back every time. We're going to have to have the safeties help over the top, especially against Allen going forward, JT. Thanks, Mikey. I got to run. Appreciate it. Nate Hobbs played a great game. He led the team in tackles. Max had a high grade for PFF. I mean, it was a really good, solid performance for the defense in the second half of that game. And a great bet for anybody who was going to bet the Raiders and bet the Raiders on the money line. Look, I'm not telling you to bet the Raiders on the money line against Buffalo. No. I'm not telling you that at all. But if you bet the Raiders on the money line against Denver, buy me dinner. I told you that all summer as everybody was fawning over Denver and the Raiders have now won seven in a row. We are thrilled on Monday to talk to Sam Munson, kind enough to join us, the analyst for Pro Football Focus. And Sam, I want to begin. Last night I was on during the Giant-Dallas game, and I think fundamentally you could say honestly— That was the worst loss in Giants history dating back to leather helmets at Yankee Stadium through all their great teams. They didn't show up and got humiliated. How'd you see the game? Yeah, pretty much. um, Nothing went right. You know, it was a game. Actually, it was a game where, you know, we forget their opening drive was quite successful right up until the blocked field goal attempt. You know, they'd actually moved the ball okay. Daniel Jones had a couple of uh, scrambles. They were punishing Dallas for not respecting Daniel Jones as a rushing threat. They went to take a field goal attempt. That gets blocked, gets returned for a touchdown. And from that moment on, nothing went right for the Giants the rest of the game, whether it was defense, special teams, or trying to move the ball on offense. They couldn't, couldn't get anything going at all. 
and it's difficult to work out, you know, how much of that was the Giants not showing up, the Giants having some problems on that roster, and how, how much of that was Dallas. Dallas are being talked about as a Super Bowl team by a lot of people heading into this season, and that was the kind of game that would add some credence to that. Just I don't know how you recover from that. Sam, they buried them to the point where the Giants couldn't protect, the Giants couldn't run. Being humiliated in a 9-11 weekend game against your rival after the Giants won a playoff game last year in Minnesota, what does Dable do now to stabilize this team? Because they didn't look like they could block, they could pass, protect, and do anything on defense. Yeah, I mean, it was a game where it was so out of control that I think sometimes those are easier to get over than other games because you can just kind of say, look, we're going to burn the tape. We're not even going to focus on this game. This wasn't us. We're going to try it again next week. The problem happens if, you know, next week looks similar. If they have similar problems and it wasn't just a case of running into a buzzsaw in a game where, you know, they were overmatched, if that's actually an indication for the problems of this team, things like the offensive line, that was a complete mess against Dallas. Um, pretty much nobody could, could block, certainly anybody outside of Andrew Thomas. If that kind of performance happens again to anybody else, then obviously it's, it's an absolute crisis. But I think in a strange way, this is a, an easier type of game to move on from than, you know, some other losses because it's, there's nowhere to start. You know, it, it's all bad. So I think you just you move on. You don't try and focus on the negative and, and figure out where you went wrong because everything was a catastrophe. Sam Munson's our guest. What did you see in the tape with Pittsburgh's performance against the 49ers? McCaffrey, Purdy, just the weapons that San Francisco has. And there was a lot of chatter, as you know, Sam. I was talking about it in the offseason with Trey Lance and what they were going to do, Kyle Shanahan, to get out of that deal, what they would get in return, and then the pressure would be on Purdy again. They looked like they were in midseason form. They really did. And, you know, I've been tapping the brakes on San Francisco a little bit in the offseason. There are some cracks in that roster that that weren't necessarily there uh, last year or the year before, um, but it didn't look like it in this game. I mean, the weaponry, as you said, the, the array of mismatched weapons that they can deploy at any given moment, is so difficult for any defense to match up with. You know, you've got George Kittle, McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. There's so many players that they have that are a problem for any defense to deal with, and they can use them all at any given moment. And then Brock Purdy is such a fascinating quarterback for that offense because, you know, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. He's not a phenomenon. He's He went low in the draft for a reason, but his strengths are – a perfect complement for this offense because the combination of Kyle Shanahan as a play caller and that offensive weaponry that we talked about is so incredibly good. We've seen it, what it can do to quarterbacks. It can create um, production out of pretty much anybody. But then if those plays hit a wall, you know, if they reach a point where the play breaks down or pressure pocket collapses, that's when Purdy is at his best, when he's extending plays and creating from a, a muddy pocket and a collapsing play. So it, it, it sort of enhances how good that offense is because it papers over the potential biggest weakness that they have. And I think Purdy might not be a great quarterback in other systems, but in this system with the 49ers, he makes that offense incredibly good and probably the best quarterback Shanahan has had running it since Matt Ryan. Um, so I think the 49ers looked absolutely like they're a, a real Super Bowl contender again. 
but it was a real concerning game for Pittsburgh, who were getting a lot of hype heading into the season, and they just did nothing on offense. Sam Munson is our guest. Sam, I saw you tweet out a few hours ago, Tyreek Hill has that Randy Moss terrifying speed thing. You know, Chargers, the Chargers can't get out of the way of themselves. I mean, their roster, they're never healthy. There's always one guy out, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, or Mike Williams. Whoever it is, they're just, they never seem to be at full strength, and it's never easy for them, and they have an opportunity, a couple bad penalties for the Chargers in that game, and I give a lot of credit to Tua and the way he put that ball on point to the Cheetah. What did you see as you looked at the tape there and why the Chargers lost? Yeah, a lot of credit to Tua, a lot of credit to Tyree Kale, obviously. A lot of credit to Mike McDaniel because, remember, last year the Chargers was probably the toughest game that this Miami offense had. They Brandon Staley's defense caused them problems and had solutions to what they were doing, and you can see evolution to that Mike McDaniel Dolphins offense. He spent the offseason figuring out what went wrong against the Chargers a year ago and making sure that it wasn't going to go wrong again this time. And you can argue right down to, you know, hiring Vic Fangio, um, I guess the kind of mentor of Brandon Staley with that kind of defensive scheme so that he could practice against it all the time with Miami as well. And they, they changed some things. You can see they changed the way they use Tyree Kill when it comes to pre-snap motion. They're giving him much shorter tracks to get him up to speed and get him into the play immediately rather than giving the defense time to sort of shift their coverage and, and rotate and, and adjust their shells a little bit. And the Chargers had no answer whatsoever to that on defense. I mean, Brandon Staley, as a defensive coach, their coaching staff was out, was outcoached by Mike McDaniel and the offense. That says a lot because Staley can't afford that. There's no way he's going to keep his job if that continues to happen. Sam Munson joins us, the great site, PFF. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I don't know how many there are out there. I think when he's on a good team and he has a chance to compete, we saw what he did with the Rams playbook last year in less than 48 hours, and he goes in to play the Vikings in a hostile environment and makes some big throws down the stretch. One on your opinion on Baker from what you saw. In the last two games the Vikings played at home, they lost to the Giants in the playoffs, and they open up and lose to the Buccaneers. Where is that franchise going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings offense is still in a solid enough but, um, you know, Justin Jefferson was fantastic. They went away from him too much, I think, in the second half. But overall, there were a lot of parts on the offensive side that worked. Um, a bad red zone turnover cost them points. You know, they're going to be okay on that side of the ball. The other side of the ball is a bit more of a question mark, though. Um, Baker Mayfield is a fascinating quarterback. We loved him coming out. You know, he was very early in the PFF grading of college football Baker Mayfield had the best grades we'd ever seen from a college quarterback. So we went to bat for Baker Mayfield quite a bit as a prospect when he came into the league. And then right off the bat, he was really good as a rookie, set the rookie touchdown record, um, you know, and had flashes multiple times of showing that he could do it in Cleveland before either the Freddie Kitchens era happened or he got hurt and then things went away from him and then the, the Browns decided to move on. And from that moment on, his career has sort of completely collapsed. You know, the mm-hmm. Carolina version was a catastrophe. The Rams, we got that weird game where he showed up with, you know, the playbook and like five hours work to, to learn it and played well enough to win the game. And then that kind of collapsed as well. But he played pretty well in this game. And Baker Mayfield is, is a player that seems like he needs 
some sort of extra motivation, you know, a chip on his shoulder, even if it's manufactured. And the Vikings got a bit chippy on defense in this game, and it seemed to, like, galvanize Baker Mayfield and, and get him playing his best football. And he made some really clutch plays, including some, you know, putting his body on the line and picking uh, first downs up with his legs. So I would be pretty encouraged by that performance if you're a Buccaneers fan. Wrapping up with Sam Munson, we appreciate his time on Mondays. Raiders won with Jimmy Garoppolo's legs. He took a big hit, went to the tent, came back. He took a big roughing the passer hit against him. And then he ran and closed out the game on third and seven. Raiders haven't seen that since Rich Gannon with running the ball on a five-minute drive to put a game away on the road. Both teams had a lot of penalties. What was your takeaway with the Raiders' win at Denver? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo played really well. Um, anytime he takes off running, you're kind of terrified for what the result of that is going to be just because of his injury history. But he did make a couple of, of really critical plays in there. I think if you're Josh McDaniels or the Raiders generally, you want to see him doing that as little as humanly possible just to keep him upright because he showed you know, when he's healthy, when he's, he's up and, and moving. I mean, that was as good a passing performance as he's had in a while and the Raiders have seen in a while. He, he played very well just as a pocket passer in that game. And despite, you know, I would say uh, Patrick Sertan was winning the battle, the one-on-one with Devontae Adams, which isn't usually the case. You know, Devontae Adams doesn't tend to lose those matchups. So when you consider that his number one target wasn't necessarily destroying the defense, like that's very encouraging for the Raiders who, you know, now sit at the top of that division after one week as absolutely nobody expected. Yeah, it's incredible to see this. Hey, Sam, on the way out, I think next week is really important. I've been doing this a long time. You go 0-2, you're buried. It's not like Emmett Smith's walking in the door when he was held holding out for his contract and they won the Super Bowl after going 0-2. 0-2 could be an ugly place for bad vibes to really fester for certain teams. And next week, there's a couple of 0-1 teams that are in big spots on the road. Look, Kansas City is at Jacksonville for Jacksonville's home opener. They'll be fine even if they lose the game. But a lot of other teams, how do you look at week two for those teams that lost week one? Yeah, it's funny. Football is such a weird sport because the sample sizes are so small. You know, every other sport you're dealing with so many more games over a season. And football, we know one game is, is kind of meaningless. But as soon as you start two games, two losses, well, all of a sudden you're making a big dent in the season. There aren't that many games for you to pull back a two-game deficit um, in this incredibly tight you know, conference or just overall standings once you get to the playoffs. And it's difficult to pull yourself out of that kind of spiral. It takes a lot of mental strength to come back from that kind of 0-2 start and, and become a serious playoff team that has aspirations of winning it all. So, yeah, absolutely. The teams that have started 0-1 and dropped that game are under a lot of pressure to, to make sure that doesn't happen now. Take care, Sam. Thanks for doing this. Talk to you next week. Anytime. Take it easy. Sam Munson. That's a good get. You know, we put together this insider group that I have, and I'm really proud of it. I think we have nine or ten insiders. They're grid. They're on a grid. So Paul Gutierrez was Tuesday. He's not this Tuesday. He's next Tuesday. Vic Taper was Friday. He's the following Friday. Chris Matthews is this Friday. Then that my buddies who I work with at Mad Dog said, we got Sam Munson every Monday, and I'll play that tonight on my national show every Monday night. But that's a hell of a guest to get 
who's a real analytical guy from Pro Football Focus. So that interview is going to be mostly around the league, and we need more of that. You know, I, I want to talk more about the NFL than just the Raiders, and that's the type of guest that we can do that with. Thanks to Sam Munson. Go follow PFF. I'm a full subscriber. I love the data. I love the stats. I love all of it. Really important. Chris Collinsworth has found a monster company. That guys, I don't. If Chris Collinsworth ever sells this company. It could be $100 million. It could be $80 million, $200 million. I don't know what the number is going to look like years from now. But you want to talk about a retirement package, not that Chris Collinsworth has to worry about that, but this would be the one to do it. Incredible access with that. Love the site. All right, let's keep it going. 702-365-9200. Raider man predicted oh. a victory, and he got it. Good to have you here kind of on a victory Monday. What do you got? Yo, hello. Can you hear me? I got you, Raider man. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my my bad. I just had some music playing. My bad, <laughs> man. Man, what's going on, JT? Hey, Victory Monday or something else, brother? Man, I'm glad to be here. Not only a muscle lander the living, bro, but on the upside of the winning lander. Raiders undefeated, baby. Everybody's screaming at the top of your lungs, man. One and oh, everybody else is defeated until until further notice. I gotta do a quick shout out to my brother, my uncle Stoner dude over there. I heard him call in earlier with an epic call. So always shouts out to Chris from West Oakland. I gotta do a special shout out to my OG Raider Rob. You already know I wouldn't even be here without that dude. But you know, BBH, yeah, BBH, Steph, man, love y'all over there, man. Diablo Divine. I don't know if you're ready for this conversation, JT, but I hope so, man, because, I mean, I'm not saying you was hard on the dude because, I mean, everybody deserves a little bit of criticism, constructive criticism especially, but I'm just curious about what do you see and if you're seeing the same things I am. Because that dude be all over catch, man. I hate that he got penalized on that face mask on that one tackle that he was about to make, but he made everything else look exactly the same. The dude is consistent, and he's getting better. That feels good to me. That's a fun thing to watch, especially since it's happening from the linebacker position on the defensive side of the ball. Offense is doing their thing. We got a real, we got a real freaking quarterback, man, Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not taking no shots because I know I like people try to divide the thing and start bringing up names that's unnecessary. I'm praying for DC. You know, I watched the game when he uh, with him over there with the Saints uh, yesterday and everything, and I ain't got any you know, criticism for him. He ended up winning the game, and you know, that'd be a whole other show talking about that because there's a lot of things we could talk about in that. But as far as the Raiders are concerned. Our quarterback put this team on his back and wouldn't win this freaking game on the road, hostile territory, and all of the pedigree that it deserves. And I'm talking about, you want to talk about pinnacle victory. I mean, one point, don't even say it, because it just went, baby. That game might as well have been three touchdowns. It would have at least been two more, you know, not no take no shots at Jacoby Myers, but if he would have caught that one touchdown, the one that squeaked through his hands, you know what I'm saying? And people keep taking shots at Jimmy for that interception. But, look, Jimmy is a quarterback. I'm going to speak up for all the quarterbacks real quick. They got the right to go out there and assert their identity. This is my team now. This is what I do. So y'all catch up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I forgot. That's right. We ain't played together before. Okay, okay. And then when he realized who he was playing with, he adjusted and he went the professional way. But I tell you what, the way I saw it, we're going to be dangerous in the next couple of weeks. And because Buffalo got to play Aaron Rodgers tonight, OG coming in there to come put the foot on their neck, I got to believe that they're going to tenderize Buffalo. They're already in the weakest state with all that drama they got going on, and I believe that Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come up there on the road next week and come and smack them in the mouth. That's right, I'm poking the bear because we ain't scared of them dudes, man. They just one game on the schedule, and we ain't taking it easy from here. We on the foot. We got the foot on the neck right now. I want to crunch down. 
time to punch down on all the pundits, man. We canceling cancel culture. The Raiders is back. I'm claiming it first. Your friendly neighborhood just checking in, man, JT. Appreciate the platform. I see you when I'm looking at you, Doc. Thanks, Raider, man. Appreciate the call. Look, Jimmy can go in and win that game in Buffalo. I don't know. I think Buffalo's better than the Jets, but as I said, Buffalo's going to be beatered and battered in that game. Beat up. The, the physicality of what the Jets have on defense should leave Buffalo banged up. I don't want to see any injuries. I'm not predicting injuries, but they're going to be banged up in that game, and the Raiders should be rested at a beautiful resort, one of the best resorts in America in West Virginia. People are like, why are they going to West Virginia? Believe me, they know what they're doing. Mark Davis, Mark Davis steps up for this franchise. He's putting them back east today, and they will be ready, rested, and prepared for the Buffalo Bills. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Man, is Alex DeCastaverde happy as a Raiders season ticket holder and our attorney here on Raider Nation Radio with his brother Orlando. Their dad had a proud legacy here, and now they've taken this law group to the next level. If you get into an accident, one group to call, the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. Proud partners of ours on Raider Nation Radio. They need the Raiders 24 for a first down. Wilson dumps the screen to McLaughlin. And there's Diablo like a head of steam back at the 41. And he drops him for a loss of seven. Jason Horowitz on the call along with Matt Millen. Great game. Uh, Diablo played well. He needed to. He had nine total tackles, five solo. Uh, Nate Hobbs, 12 tackles, eight solo. Uh, two tackles for loss for Nate Hobbs, and Splane had seven tackles total, one for a loss. And Mad Max, five, two solo, one sack, and one tackle for a loss here. Good game as we bring in Mark Anderson from the AP, covers the Raiders, was at the press conference on the Zoom earlier today. And Mark, your takeaway first off with no Chandler Jones, how the Raiders' defense reacted holding Denver to three points in the second half. Yeah, the two players you just mentioned, uh, Diablo and Nate Hobbs, I was really impressed with their aggressiveness, especially Hobbs. I mean, you don't expect a, a cornerback, especially he, his size, you don't expect him to be so aggressive. And he was just, he just seemed to be in, all over the all over the place, making plays uh, uh, not just in your cornerback position. So it was just, uh, I was real impressed with him. Um, you know, I, I felt, uh, you know, I, I felt the one Lacking part was they couldn't really get a pass rush, but I do think Russell Wilson did a good, pretty good job of moving around. He didn't really scramble, but he moved around, made it hard for them to get to him. And uh, but yeah, I thought the secondary played really well, uh, and and I thought the run defense was really good too. Uh, what do you think overall with the offensive line? They didn't run block great. Josh Jacobs, did you see him not hitting the hole or not a lot of holes to open with? Because they still wanted to feed him pretty heavy and get him the ball, but it, they just couldn't get any momentum going on the ground. Yeah, and I, I just I think a lot of that is, is Denver's run defense, uh, and it's going to be one of the better run defenses they face this season. I know Josh Jacobs has been great against them, but but. Uh, I just I think it was that I think it was Jacobs missing all that time, um, being a little rusty. Admitted to that as much after the game, and I do think the offensive line definitely has some improvement to do in that area. Um, so I, I think I think all three things are correct. I think Jacobs is going to get better. 
Uh, I do think the offensive line will get better, and and uh, I don't think that's really going to be a problem down the road. Mark Anderson's our guest. So, Mark, uh, I want to preview the game as we have you on every other Monday. Get to the Bills in a second, but I thought it was very important. It could have been. I don't. I don't put much into the first game of the year. I would never say make or break, must win game, but. With the schedule, with three out of four on the road, I really feel like the Raiders are playing with house money now. To have that one win here, not to have to go 0-2, the possibility to go 2-0, and or to get a split at 1-1, and really, I think, takes a little bit of the pressure off of everyone involved in this upcoming game in Buffalo. No, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I, 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 yeah, not that you want to go and lose the game, but yeah, I think, I think it's a whole different situation now than if they come out with a loss yesterday. Um, you know, and, and if they could just over these first four games find a way to at least go two and two, I think it's pretty big. And uh, and so yeah, I, I do. It's, I think it's interesting they're going to spend uh, the week in West Virginia. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. so that it's not such a big travel day on you know week right right before the game. They can go ahead and get acclimated up there, and, um, and and so that's going to I think that's going to help a little bit. Obviously, Buffalo is one of the tougher places to play. Great fan base, um, but yeah. I, um, but I saw the, the Raiders are nine half point dogs, which surprised me. It's the lines mm. that big. I think they're going to play better than that. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's a definitely a different scenario now. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up, you surprised Hunter Renfro didn't get any targets here. Jacoby got ten. Devontae got nine. Even Austin yeah, Hooper got I, more of a target. What happened there? I know I was, I was watching uh, Renfro too, looking at him specifically in certain plays and. It just didn't look like he was getting open, and I don't know if it's if it's the the play designs and uh, the you know maybe he's just they were more more suited to uh, Myers and Adams and um, Josh McDaniel was asked about that today and he said it was more just how the game played out is why uh, Renfro didn't get the get the targets and that's not necessarily a theme for the rest of the season so but it'll be interesting I I was surprised too especially if you know if Jacoby Myers now in the concussion protocol. Uh, if he is not able to play at Buffalo, then they'll definitely need Hunter Renfro to, to come in and 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 uh, be a big part of that offense. So, uh, and they're going to need him anyway, even when mm-hmm. Myers is back in the lineup. A last one, not much from Michael Mayer either. He had a penalty in the game, and I don't think that's a guy that it should take too long for him to get acclimated. Okay, he's just a big tight end who's going to run, you know, eight, twelve, fourteen yard routes, comebackers out in routes. And you want to leave him in to block, I get it. I don't think he's a great blocker yet. It's the NFL. This league is, is a tough league to come in and start blocking grown men who have been in the league for a number of years. What do you think he has to show in the next game as they want to bring him along? Yeah, he's definitely got to, he's definitely got to figure out a way to get open. I just, I just don't know that the opportunities were there for him. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, – I think if he if he'd had gotten open, I think I think Jimmy G would have found him, and I just don't. I think he struggled to get open yesterday. Uh, that is something he's got to improve. I'm with you. I don't. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't drafted to be a blocker. He was drafted to be an, a receiving weapon, and 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 I think he still will be. I think I think he's going to wind up playing really well. Um, I don't know if it's how long it's going to take him to get there. It may take him a whole year to get there, um, but it's it's uh, he does eventually need to be a bigger part of this offense. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Sounds good, JT. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Mark Anderson, uh, one of the insiders we have here from the AP. He does a great job. He is a very good journalist and covers the team and knows what to ask and knows what to write about. That's why we have him on the show. No trade, Tucker. 
No targets to Hunter. No targets to Michael Mayer. Okay. And they win the game. And they win the game with that. If I told you before the game, Trey Tucker's not going to be activated, Michael Mayer's not going to catch a ball or get a target, and these are Hunter, what would you have said to me? Well, DeAndre Carter was in the game, okay, and he was cleared to play in this game. Devontae had six receptions for 66 yards. It was the Jacoby Myers show as he had two touchdowns. Austin Hooper, and maybe we'll play that coming back on the other side. Austin Hooper made a monster catch in traffic, a 20-yarder that kept the chains moving. That was incredible. And then when it came to the running game, Josh Jacobs had 19 carries. That's what I thought he'd have. I thought he'd have between 17 and 20 carries. He had 19. Jimmy Garoppolo ran it nine times for only 11 yards. Obviously, when you get sacked or you're you're tackled behind the line of scrimmage here. But the great run that he had eight yards to seal the game. And Zamir White had one carry for two yards. If I'm Zamir White, I'm sitting here going, okay, what's going to happen? Well, Josh Jacobs will not come off the field unless the coaches tell him to come off. I have no problem with that. Devontae will not come off the field unless the coaches tell him to come off. No problem with that. The stars on this team are in the prime of their career. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams are in the absolute prime of their career. They play football once a week for about 27 to 30 minutes. If you add in the timeouts and the clock ticking, Devontae and Josh play less than 30 minutes of football and probably 10 to 12 minutes total when you take out the clock. They're in their prime. Feed them, overfeed them. I don't know how long Devontae's going to be a Raider. I hope it's another five years. Same with Josh. Josh is going to play here this year because they got the contract done. So get them the ball. Get them the ball and give it to them heavy. But I'd also like to see someone like Hunter Renfro, who I think is a very good player, get more forced touches. When you're in the red zone with Hunter Renfro, I have no problem getting him the ball, forcing the ball to him. Let me repeat, forcing the ball to him. If Hunter is single covered, you let him do that little head fake, you know, where he puts his left foot in the ground and then takes off to the right, and then boom, the ball's right on him, and he can go down and get it. He can dive and get it. Hunter deserves some touches here. But in this last game, I don't think he got the touches because they were going to Jacoby. They saw something with Jacoby, and Jacoby was the guy they were going to go to. Credit Josh McDaniels. He saw something in the game plan there. I don't demand phone calls. I just demand good phone calls. So if you'd like to get through, it would be a good day. Here we're coming off a victory. Rest of the week, our same guest will have insiders tomorrow. I'm going to live at this facility. I'm here pretty much all day today. I get out of here in a little bit, and then I'm here tomorrow for Raiders Roundtable, the podcast, which is booming. And then Thursday, I come in here to interview Josh McDaniels, which might be, might be before the sun rises, because they're in West Virginia, and the coach gets up early back east. So I'm going to have to get up early to come in here and interview him for the TV show. So Josh McDaniels later in the week, 702-365-9200. Raider Dave in Denver, who actually worked the game as a Raider fan on the chain gang. How are you, Dave? Yeah, that was great. I wasn't on the chains. I was doing a sideline microphone, but I could be wherever I wanted to be, and it was awesome. You know, Denver Media has finally thrown down the guillotine blade out here, asking who gets the axe first already. Is it Lutz or is it Vance? And only now Denver Media is finally asking who scares anyone since Jerry Judy is gone. You know, this whole thing backfired for them. The trade for Lutz, the coaching on the onside uh, to do that properly, bring in Vance for D.C., pick up a vet right tackle to go against Max. 
asked for the Raiders first up, it was all a huge backfire. And now we come to UJT for control and exposing of the bias. It's front and center when they say Denver is so damn good and the Raiders again control the front seven on both sides of the ball. After this opener, it's just more of the same for Denver competing for seller dwellers in the AFC. I can't wait for the next 16 weeks, and I don't have to get crap from anybody I work with here in the Denver media. They can all stuff it. Raiders win. It was like a fourth preseason game, and Denver tried to take advantage of that. We didn't show everything. You're right. We got Renfro to go. We got Mayer to go. And who knows what's going to come in, maybe Tucker or whatever, to do something else that Buffalo hasn't seen if Myers can't go. So I'm excited, and I'm sure the rest of Radio Nation is too if they paid attention because Jimmy G knew this defense from Vance after playing them before a couple times in the NFC West. Yeah, thank you, man. Excellent. It's a good time to be a Raider fan today because a lot of teams like the Giants, the Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers did not show up. They didn't show up at all. They were nowhere to be found. You know, again, the Raiders did not play a great game, but the Raiders played good enough to win. Man, there's some fan bases around the league that are freaking out because they no-showed. And I think one of the biggest games was the Dolphin win over the Chargers. I really do. The Dolphins to get a road trip. That's a long trip from South Florida to play in Los Angeles at SoFi. Long trip. And they won that game. That flight must have been great for Tyreek Hill and the rest of them. And the Niners look good. We were talking about the Niners a lot because they were out here for the joint practices. I thought they had a lot of drama. The Niners had a lot of noise surrounding the 49ers, and they put every one of those critics to rest, including myself with Brock Purdy. When we come back, we'll go around the league. One more swing of the phone call, 702-365-9200. And then tomorrow we jump right into our preparation for the Buffalo Bills coming up on Sunday. Bring snap. pressure. Wilson got it down. Plenty of time. Leaves it short for Troutman. With the space at the yes. third end. Drayvon Merrick. Yes. With the urging from Matt Millen. Urged him to the turf as he slowed up with Merrick. Got in there at the 31 outside the numbers. And it's fourth and three. And Denver has to punt. What a call there as the Raiders get it done. Matt Millen. Look, Matt Millen's a Raider. And he was rooting for the Raiders on that call. And everybody loved it. Lincoln Kennedy will be back for the next game. He was a bit under the weather. We wish Lincoln well. And the Raiders win. And they are 1-0. They travel to Buffalo. Uh, Teams traveling today. So they're going to West Virginia today. That puts them in the region. For those saying, why aren't they staying in Buffalo? Why are they not staying in Rochester? I don't know. They found a great place to practice in West Virginia. And it'll be a confined area just for the Raiders to focus on this game and get ready for what is going to be a huge game. They're a heavy underdog. Most of the NFL will not give them a chance to win. So as I said this week, I'm just going to be talking about them playing with house money. Playing with house money, go have fun, go win the game. Any team could beat any team on any given Sunday. You know that to be true. Well, how about the Raiders go doing in Buffalo? I think Buffalo's window to win the Super Bowl is still open. Uh, picked them the last couple of years to win the Super Bowl. Not to get there, to win it. And it's been either Buffalo, Kansas City, or Cincinnati. And the Raiders are playing one of the best rosters in football, and it'll be the home opener. They have to play 
almost the perfect game to win this game. And maybe they can. I don't think they're going to have all the penalties they had last week, and they even won that game. How about this to start off the game? Sean Payton decides to go with an onside kick, and it backfires. Here's how it sounded. Season underway. Broncos kickoff, and it's an onside kick right from the get-go. It's bobbled by the Broncos. It's still loose at midfield. And there's a whole pile, and the Broncos come away with it. Illegal touch. Kicking team number one. Five-yard penalty. Las Vegas ball. First down. So it backfires. <laughs> Tremont Smith touched it before it went 10 yards. That was good that it backfired because if they recovered that, and I knew that something was going to happen, a Bronco insider told me that in the first 10 minutes of the game, Sean Payton was going to try to do something to wash away last year. That was the term, wash away all the negativity from last year. I didn't expect an onside kick, but that's what it was. I thought we were going to see a bomb or a big, maybe a flea flicker, double reverse, whatever it was going to be. I expected that coming in, but not an onside kick. The Raiders get a nice break there. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, that first drive was very impressive as he finds Jacoby Myers for his first touchdown. Rips to the right, Devontae Adams in the slot. Garoppolo looking left, Jacoby Myers back shoulder, makes the grab, fall into the turf, touchdown Raiders! And then he turns around and barks at Damari Mathis, withdraws the flag, but it's after the play, and the Raiders march down the field with an opening drive, touchdown Garoppolo to Myers. Yeah, that was nice there. That was a really good play. The back shoulder there. A little trash talking there, which is not advisable. You don't want to put yourself in that situation, but I can understand that. That was Jimmy G's first touchdown and Jacoby Myers' first touchdown as Raiders. They were pretty fired up for that play. Thought it was interesting that Russell Wilson made a couple of plays. He was going to make good plays outside the pocket. Here's the first touchdown for Denver. Second and goal, Wilson, back to pass, looking right, gets away from Crosby, rolling near side to the end zone, it's caught, touchdown Denver in the back right corner, it's Lil Jordan Humphrey. Yeah, nice play there by Russell Wilson, and wow, he has his first touchdown of the year, and you're just wondering how many more of those are there going to be along the way? How many more big plays are we going to see for Russell Wilson in this game? Wanted to see Mad Max get going. Here's Mad Max with the sack in the second quarter. Wilson, shotgun snap. Pocket collapses. Yes, Down sir. he goes. Max Crosby again. He has owned the Broncos in his career, and he bursts through the right side of the line for a sack back at the 48. Uh, that was a nice play to get Mad Max going. You know, Max is going to put up big numbers this year. You don't want to see Max Crosby get shut out in any game. And Max Crosby made a difference in this game. Great play by Mad Max. But another opportunity for Russell Wilson. He was able to extend the play, and the Raiders' safeties can only guard for so long. Second and goal from the five. Wilson the snap. Backs up to throw. Too much time. Pressure up the middle. Points his finger. Back of the end zone. Touchdown, Broncos. Cortland Sutton. Got away from Marcus Epps in the back right corner of the end zone. Got both feet down, and the Broncos take a 12-10 lead with 12 seconds to go before halftime. Yeah, you heard Matt Millen as the play was in progress say he's got too much time. He can't have too much time. And again, the safeties, Epps, and both Merrick gave up touchdowns in the back of the end zone because they can only guard for so long. Here is without a doubt the most important play of the game. With, without a doubt, if you look at the distance and the difference in the score, here it is. This the end zone to our left. Officially a 55-yard field goal right hash. Dixon gets the hold down, spins the ball. Line drive kick. Upright to our left, and he missed it right. So he's missed an extra point. 
And now he's missed a 55-yard field goal. And the Raiders' defense gets an opening second-half drive stop. Yeah, that was a big play. Come on, he missed an extra point, and he misses a field goal. They weren't tough kicks, so that was the difference in the game for the Raiders. You know it. I just said it. The Raiders won the game, but they got a lot of help from the Denver kicker. He was Peyton's guy he brought over, and they got rid of McManus. That turned to bite them. A lot of fans in Denver are talking about that today. Uh, Denver made a big interception in the red zone, in the end zone. This was costly. Shotgun snap to Garoppolo. Looking left. Scanning middle. Dances out of the pocket. Trying to fire to the end zone. It's batted up in the air and intercepted in the end zone. Kareem Jackson caught the pop-up in the end zone. Six yards deep. Amir Abdullah, the intended receiver. And Jimmy Garoppolo's first mistake of the game cost the Raiders a chance to tie. At that point in the game, I was concerned. The penalties were mounting for the Raiders. An interception in the end zone. It just wasn't looking like it was the Raiders' day. They needed a big comeback, the opportunity to make plays. I told you earlier in the show, Hooper with one of the biggest catches on the day. Garoppolo off his back foot. Hooper holds it in at the seven. Great catch. On a back shoulder, ripped it away from Justin Simmons, falling to the turf in its first and goal on a 20-yard grab. What a throw by Garoppolo where the defender couldn't catch it and Hooper had to make a go, go make a great catch. That's a veteran tight end who's made a lot of big catches in his career, and that's his first big one for the silver and black. As the game was winding down, the clock was winding down. The Raiders were going to have to make plays. Here's Jimmy G icing it. Here pressure. come the Broncos with pressure. They pick it up. Garoppolo, still with time in the pocket. Escapes out to the 35, gets to the 30, and he gets out of a tackle at the 25. Yes. Stays in bounds and has the first down. Garoppolo with his legs about to seal this game for the Raiders here in Denver with an eight-yard scramble. How fantastic is Matt Millen? You hear him in the background. Yes, he knew the game was over. Jimmy Garoppolo ices the game. Here's the final call on the Raiders radio network. They're lining up in victory formation one more time. Snap is good. Garoppolo the knee. Raiders are going to walk back to the far sideline, and the clock's going to tick to zero, and Las Vegas is 1-0. They come to Denver and beat the Broncos for a seventh consecutive time, something the Raiders have not done since Al Davis was coach back in the 60s. They beat the Broncos here in Denver 17-16 and open up the season 1-0. Jason Horowitz, Matt Millen on the call. That's it, everybody. This isn't the most memorable radio show I've ever done, but it brought me a lot of joy today. On 9-11, a day of reflection, we still got to do a sports talk show and we're able to talk about a Raider victory. Appreciate Bobby for putting the show together. The entire team over here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Forget me all set up here in the studio. Q's coming up next. He will have a phenomenal victory celebration show. And then we'll tell you what we got the rest of the week. Mondays, every Monday, Mad Dog Sports Radio, 4 to 7 p.m., 7 to 10 Eastern on Sirius XM, 82. And a good day today on TV with the Raiders Press Conference Live show on Fox 5. Hopefully you can put that in your Q deck, in your library on YouTube, or just DVR it. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Raiders win at Denver. Raiders undefeated and on top of the AFC West. Fever.